0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 20th of January.
0: And here with us today we have a special guest, ABC data journalist Catherine Hanrahan. Welcome, Catherine. Hi. So, Catherine, you've been looking at New South Wales data on the clusters, the cluster outbreaks that they've had in New South Wales, and you've done some data crunching. And what have you found? So
2: what I did was I looked at all the clusters that New South Wales has had since early July when we had the case from Melbourne come and see the um, Crossroads outbreak, which really started the New South Wales second wave. So New South Wales Health defines a cluster as three people who are epidemiologically linked. And what that means is... There are three people who've been um, in physical contact with each other, and also that the genome sequencing of the viruses they have are the same. So what I found was I looked at eighteen different clusters that we've that we've had in New South Wales since July last year. And regardless of how many cases are in the cluster, what we found is that the clusters last for about the same amount of time. That's three weeks from the first case until the last case is identified. So by the end of um, three weeks, you're really starting to have found nearly all of the people in that cluster. Now, the problem is if they miss anyone, that person can then go on and seed a new cluster
1: so while you got the closure of the recovery, the crossroads one it seeded several clusters didn't it i mean you had the one in the thai restaurant the thai rock restaurant and various others and they're all they all kind of trace back to crossroads eventually. So is it true to say that you closed down th- after three weeks if they've spawned other clusters?
2: In some cases, they um, they did identify the source and in others not. So like, for example, the Bankstown area funeral services, the Tyrock Restaurant, Wetherill Park, Bateman Space Soldiers Club, they didn't identify the source, but they could tell by looking at the genome sequencing that it you know it was probably had a, had originally come from the Crossroads hotel case, but they never worked out who that individual was that that crossed over between the two clusters.
1: So so in fact then what you're seeing, Catherine, is, well, it's so you, with the system you got in place in New South Wales, and presumably Victoria as well now and other states, they all now work on roughly the same basis. You can expect a cluster to be closed at three weeks, but what you don't know is whether you're spawning other clusters, which could then get out of control. But if they're if you apply the same methodology, then you just keep on going in three week cycles.
2: That's right, and that's really what happened in New South Wales. So they obviously there were new clusters being being seeded, which sort of just rolled from one to the next. But the contact tracers never became overwhelmed by by the cases, so they were able to keep each cluster relatively under control and have it shut down after three weeks, but there would always just be one or two escaped cases that would spawn the next cluster.
1: So how do we get to donut days 28 in a row for the state?
2: Yeah, it's it's tricky. I think what we saw happening last year was even though the epidemiologists say it doesn't matter whether you've got a big or a small cluster, it generally lasts about three weeks. The clusters, be- the cluster numbers began getting smaller. So when we got to October last year, we had the Oran Park cluster was twenty-three people. Hox, the private health clinic was thirteen. And so there's just less and less people they need to talk to. And I guess they can dig a lot deeper into who those extra cases might be. And in November, we got to the end of that last cluster. And then we had about a month of no cases bar one, which was a transport worker.
1: One of the controversial things that we were talking about early on in the CoronaCast coverage of the outbreak in the northern beaches was when it looked like there was it was spawning other clusters or there were other leaks from overseas was the the issue of whether or not to actually lock down for a short, sharp period of time to just get things under control. Is there any evidence that that speeds up cluster resolution?
2: Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because when you look at these 18 clusters, the only one where we had a lockdown, like a real lockdown, was Avalon, Northern Beaches, uh, and yet you, you didn't see the cluster being shut down any faster than any of the other clusters were. So... It's a difficult one to say. it it doesn't you don't seem to um, circumvent the process by having a really sharp lockdown, although you know may what what you may do is seed less clusters. So what does the data show about
0: when Sydney's outbreak could end?
2: Well, assuming that there haven't been any new clusters seeded that the New South Wales Health doesn't know about, it it would appear from the data that we have about another week of um, of the Borella cluster to run, and then it will come to an end.
1: Catherine Hanahan is a data journalist with the ABC. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you. So Norman, we get heaps of questions about whether
0: when the virus mutates and we've got these new strains popping up globally, whether the vaccines that we're getting are going to be effective against them. And so far we've been saying or we've been hearing from experts that yes, they will. But there was a Twitter thread by one of one of the experts in the field in the last couple of days saying that maybe the so called UK strain, the B one one seven variant, might not be as effectively targeted by the Pfizer vaccine as we'd hoped.
1: Yes, this is work done at the University of Cambridge and a small number of people basically studied 15 people who had the Pfizer mRNA vaccine. They they basically gave them um, the spike protein that uh, with the mutations in it that was modified so they weren't getting a, a proper infection. And what they found was that there was a reduction in vaccine efficacy in those small number of people. And uh, they tried it. I think also on the South African mutation was unfair to call it South African, but the ones that appeared in South Africa, and also that that also found a little bit of a little bit reduced level of antibody response, specific antibody response to that version of the virus. So very small study, not published yet, but if it's right, then there is some reduced effectiveness of the vaccine on these variants. Um, whether it's enough to make them ineffective, it doesn't look likely from the small study, but it means that if there are further variants on top of that, then you could get escape from the vaccine. All is not necessarily lost because the uh, technology platform for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines allows them to switch virus quite easily so they think they could do that within about six weeks and they wouldn't need to do further clinical trials because the platform's being being tested a bit like the uh, influenza vaccine but it would play havoc in countries that are committed to other vaccines that might not be able to turn around that quickly so at the moment we're still okay but there, there are some warning signs.
0: So let's take a few questions from the audience and keeping in the theme there about vaccination. Um, Someone's asking, she's in her 30s and her partner, and she always thought that this was the year to start trying for a baby. But now she's worried if she gets pregnant now, she's going to miss or delay her opportunity to get the vaccine, which she does want to get because she has asthma. Should she delay having a baby or go ahead with it? Does it mean that she can't get the vaccine while she's pregnant or breastfeeding?
1: We've yet to see what approval the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia is going to give for the Astra vaccine. But at the moment, they haven't tested it on enough pregnant women to know whether or not it's safe in pregnancy. It's likely that it is. So, you, you know, you're right to be concerned. You know, we can't give you advice. The the, the situation, of course, in Australia is that while you might, would like to have the vaccine, we've got very little COVID-19 around. And therefore, the risk in going ahead with pregnancy unimmunized is much less h- here than it is otherwise. Let's assume you get pregnant pretty quickly. That takes you through to September, October, which is probably round about the time that the large majority of Australians are going to be immunized um, beyond the high risk groups. So you're not going to you're actually not going to delay your immunisation by that much because if you waited, you pro- it would probably take till about then to get immunised anyway. So if you get pregnant now, you'll be done and dusted and able to get immunised.
0: Perfect timing.
1: Sounds like the perfect solution. Yeah.
0: And one more question from Tim. Why is Australia only sourcing two Western vaccines and not all that is available, including the Russian and Chinese ones?
1: Let's start with the Russian and Chinese ones. The Russian vaccine could actually be quite a good vaccine. It's, it's not that different in technology to the Oxford University vaccine. And in fact, Astra has reportedly started negotiating with the Russians that they might use the Astra vaccine for dose one and the Russian vaccine for dose two because it's a different virus. But they haven't had properly conducted randomised trials. There are various Chinese vaccines. Um, There's one with a killed version or a neutralised version of the virus, which is a very traditional vaccine, which they've reported has 70% effectiveness given that they're not reporting 100% effectiveness and it's 70%, it has the air of reality about it, but again, hasn't had a well-conducted, randomised trial done. And that's why we wouldn't be sourcing those, unfortunately, because they could be quite good vaccines, but the data are just not reliable at this point. And then there are other vaccines. We've got the, uh, it's not just two, we've sourced the Novavax vaccine, which could turn out to be a very good vaccine, Um, which is a much more traditional vaccine where they inject the spike protein into the body directly. And uh, that's yet to report on its clinical trials. They've had some problems in manufacturing. And then there are others such as the Johnson & Johnson one, which is a single dose. Those are just coming through the system now. Really, what the Commonwealth did was negotiate with the front-runner vaccines. The only one they could have negotiated there with a bit more confidence up front was Moderna, and they came to that a little bit late.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast for today.
1: If you've got a question, go to abc.net.au slash coronacast, click on Ask a Question and mention Coronacast on the way through, and we will see you tomorrow.
0: That we will.